With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk Show. Jam Radio Productions and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. Sunday evening form, Nation Talk, a public affairs and news program that airs Sunday nights at 8 p.m. It's a public affairs and news program that deals with issues concerning you from the studios of Savannah, Georgia. To call in, 1724-444-2444, call the number 551 Thank you. 
everyone on a Super Bowl Sunday. No matter if you for the Patriots or the Eagles, good evening to you and to you, and thanks to you for listening to Nation Talk tonight. We're gonna dig into the state of of union address that was aired last Tuesday from the nation from the capital. News and views, and we lost three, four persons this week. And I hail farewell. We lost uh, Dennis Edwards of the Temptations, Mort Walker, who's creator of Beetle, Beetle Bailey, Olivia Cole, who's the Emmy Award winning actress who's on Roots, and I'm going to hope I say his name right. Ingvar Kamprad, who's founder of IKEA. We have a farewell to all four of those. I'm going to say hello to the king, Master Master Mikey, and, of course, Brother Mike. All right, let's get started. It's show and tell, folks. Uh, let's. Exactly. Where is it? Okay. This is from the NBC News. I'm sure all of you've seen it. I've heard some of it, but I didn't get a chance. To, you know, I in America, I didn't get chance. I didn't get a chance to uh to watch it. All of it. I was at work. So, it was about uh, 14, I believe 14, no, it was a minute, an hour, 18 minutes, no, hour 20 minutes long, and uh, according to and it's on YouTube as well. One, 1.7, 1. 1.7 million people viewed this. So let's get to what the State of the Union address and some of the things he has said, some of the issues that he's that he's tapped, that he's uh, presenting. His case alone. Tremendous After years and years of wage stagnation, we are finally seeing rising wages. Now, have we seen rising wages lately? In, uh, in this in, in this first term, unemployment claims have hit a 45-year low. Now, 
after this, I'm going to, I'm going to play Congressman Kennedy's response to the State of the Union, and also I have some facts, uh, some fact checks on what he said, plus a word from both Bernie Sanders and Representative Maxine Waters. Listen to some more. It would be interesting to hear what all they have to say. It's something I'm very proud of. African-American unemployment stands at the lowest rate ever recorded. Now, you look in the audience, some of the Democrats are not too pleased with what some of the things he said. Some of them clapped, some of them didn't clap. Some of them did not stand and applaud. It's mostly all Republicans who did standing and and. Uh, in this. And Hispanic American unemployment has also reached the lowest levels in history. Small business confidence is at an all-time high. The stock market has smashed one record after another, gaining $8 trillion and more in value in just this short period of time. Okay. Now, I'm going to get some reactions so far to, to what the president has said. Just give me a minute here so I can get set up. Uh, let's go to... Let's go to the king. King. The, the king. How are you? Hey. How are you? Good. Oh, that's great. So did you catch any of the State, state of the Union? Hang on. What's that? Uh, what did you say again? What did had uh, did you catch any of the State of the Union Tuesday? Have I watched the football? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. The State of State of the Union um, on Tuesday. Did you did you catch that? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm surprised. I, just, I, I guess you like some of the Democrats. They decided not to, not to uh, tune in. I, I I heard some of it, but I said I'll wait until it comes on YouTube and I'll I'll listen to it there. Yeah. I'm. I'm that's where we listen to it now. Let's get no reaction here. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see. 
Uh oh. Fingers. Oh. Better mate. You must be pausing for the cause. Hey, Amen. Mike. Hello. Hey. How are you? Good. I missed you last Sunday. Yeah, we was we was on. No, you wasn't. We were. <laughs> We was on live, but we we um didn't have I didn't have too much to say really. Huh. Not too much. I saw you on there. <laughs> I think I saw King too. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, how did you catch in the, the State of the Union Tuesday? A little of it. No, you too, huh? A little of it. Yeah, I I. I'm like you. I I I watched a very little of it that went on YouTube. I said, "Well, I'll watch it on YouTube. I'll get it from YouTube. I'll get it from well, YouTube." I went, to, uh, I went to Periscope to to uh, look at some of the uh, reactions from different people on Periscope. <laughs> <laughs> that was hey. He was the. <laughs> He was a champion of all champions. Man. Periscope. Man, he, I mean, Issa saw the grim faces. Some of them clapped, some of them, clapped, some of them didn't, some of them just sat there. <laughs> he, the, most, of, most of the folks was the, the Republicans who did all that cheering. Now, when it's in here, too, um, they was talking about I think it was immigration or something else. You heard the you you hear the Democrats' reaction. They booed. <laughs> they they booed. I'm like, okay, it doesn't. It got a little touchy there. It got. Well, little... he didn't talk too much about uh, the uh, immigration either. No, he, he he talked a little bit about it, but. Well, he just touched on it. He just—I guess he—he he was bragging on some of the accomplishments that he did, which, and on here, and later on tonight, I got the fact checks mm. on some some of the things that were true, some of the things that were false. That the, all right. All right. Let's get back to hearing what the Uncle Donald said.
Be in the United States of America. That's what I be in the United for decades. Chrysler is moving a major plant from Mexico to Michigan. Toyota and Mazda are opening up a plant in Alabama, a big one, and we haven't seen this in a long time. Let's support working families by supporting paid family leave. America regains its strength, opportunity must be extended to all citizens. That is why this year we will embark on reforming our prisons to help former inmates who have served their time get a second chance at life. And if you do it again, you'll be put you'll be put right back in, in prison. Struggling communities, especially immigrant communities, Uh-oh. will also be helped by immigration policies that focus on the best interests of American workers and American families. For decades, open borders have allowed drugs and gangs to pour into our most vulnerable communities. They've allowed millions of low-wage workers to compete for jobs and wages against the poorest Americans. Most tragically, they have caused the loss of many innocent lives. Here tonight are two fathers and two mothers, Evelyn Rodriguez, Freddie Cuevas, Elizabeth Alvarado, and Robert Mickens. Their two teenage daughters, Kayla Cuevas and Nisa Mickens, were close friends on Long Island. But in September, 2016, on the eve of Nisa's 16th birthday, such a happy time it should have been, neither of them came home. These two precious girls were brutally murdered while walking together in their hometown. Six members of the savage MS-13 gang have been charged with Kayla and Nisa's murders. Many of these gang members took advantage of glaring loopholes in our laws to enter the country as illegal, unaccompanied, alien minors and wound up in Kayla and Nisa's high school. Evelyn, Elizabeth, Freddie, and Robert, tonight everyone in this chamber is praying for you. Everyone in America is grieving for you. Please stand. Thank you very much. Who were brought here by their parents at a young age. That covers hard in the midst of such and niece's murders. Many of these gang members took advantage of glaring loopholes and 
the underprivileged all over the world. But as President of the United States, my highest loyalty, my greatest compassion, my constant concern is for America's children, America's struggling workers, and America's forgotten communities. I want our youth to grow up to achieve great things. I want our poor to have their chance to rise. So tonight, I am extending an open hand to work with members of both parties, Democrats and Republicans, to protect our citizens of every background, color, religion, and creed. get much tougher on drug dealers and pushers. The third pillar ends the visa lottery, a program that randomly hands out green cards without any regard for skill, merit, or the safety of American people. Let's hear some responses on that. Let's hear some responses on that. Okay. Is he fair about that? Or is he is, <laughs> he, is he really going to do this? Or is he pulling our leg? I don't know what he was smoking. I don't know what he was smoking. Wow. What did he say? You're joking. King, what, what, what about you? Well, you, you think he's pulling our leg? You know he is. Uh, yeah, I think he is because... He, he must be smoking something. Yeah. <laughs> Man, he must be smoking. I don't know what he was smoking on, but... Uh, I don't know. He he must be smoking something before he before he came to the chamber. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody check that man's pocket. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. Okay, let's hear some more. Let's All of that on public on public TV, huh? Uh, yeah, it was on the, on the networks. <laughs> he lying. Ooh. Woo. Mm-hmm. All right, let's hear some more lies. Let's hear some more lies. And remember, when Obama was in office, the, the Democrats cheered while the Republicans sat down on Obama. So this is the opposite. This is like the opposite of what is going on now. And some of them, some of the Democrats. Did not go and protest. It's time to begin moving toward a merit-based immigration system, one that admits people who are skilled, who want to work, who will contribute to our society, and who will love 
and respect our country. Good faces, the smile, the the fourth and final pillar protects the nuclear family by ending chain migration. Under the current broken system, a single immigrant can bring in virtually unlimited numbers of distant relatives. Under our plan, we focus on the immediate family by limiting sponsorships to spouses and minor children. Now, there it is. There it is. That's the moans and groans of the Democrats. That's it. That's what I was talking about, the moans and groans of the Democrats. Those were the Democrats who moaned and groaned. That was them Mm. on that subject. And when that was a when he mentioned that, that was a touchy subject. Mm-hmm. That was very touchy. They, they, he stirred, he stirred, he's he really, he sir, he sure served up the Kool Aid. So, what do you think about that? Ain't gonna happen. Mm-mm. No. Do you think it's a good bill? No. It's just the immediate family. No, it's not. It's not good because they got other families. Because you got to remember, there are some families in these other countries. I'll take an example, like, like you have some Haitians that live in Miami. I can say I can pretty much say that because I lived there for ten years and I've seen it. The migration of a lot of Haitians and and Cubans, for example, some. A family from that lives here in the United States lives in Florida. They have family back in Haiti. Okay. They can at least bring not just immediate family, but suppose they have a grandmother that's over there, and they want and that grandmother uh, wants to wants to leave wants to um wants wants to leave. Or Cuba or, or Haiti, and, they, okay. and she she and she wants to come along with her children, or she wants to come along with the children so they so that that way they'll have Nana mm-hmm. that way they'll have Nana there to take care of the children to help take care of the children, especially if they're single, especially if they're single parents, especially if they are. Same thing in in, in Haiti and same thing in Cuba. Now and now, I've seen some Haitians who lived here in who lived right here in the United States and lived in down in Florida, mainly in Miami, in Fort Lauderdale, and that and all in that area in the south and south and um, South Florida. I've seen them work. Certain jobs. Not, I don't work with Haitians. They worked at McDonald's. That's all. There's a lot of them that worked at McDonald's. They they'll work and they'll send their money 
to Haiti or they from Haiti they're sending money to Cuba or they they're from Jamaica they'll go they'll send their money to Jamaica or some of them live in London. So they'll they'll send them send them money there. And there's some who wants to leave who who probably who probably wants to leave um that that's their home country. Some of them um are citizens of both countries. Mhm. They're citizens. They're, they're they're born in that in in the in Cuba, Haiti, Haiti, or Jamaica, and but they become citizens of the United States, but they still reach back to support their people, like in like for like in Cuba, right? I mean, like in Haiti right now, it's very it's needed. It, it's very much needed right now to help and to help them to help them rebuild. I I really believe that that the Haitians will survive. They they will survive this this um the hurricane, the earthquakes. They'll they'll survive it. And they, hello. Yeah. And they and they will they will rebuild. I don't know who it, I don't know who it was I was talking to, and they was saying they they should stick to just America. But you got to remember, America helps others, just like they help America. Mm-hmm. All right. So that idea, they should they need to throw that. They need to throw that idea away and start over again and and redo immigration because that's really it's getting messed up. The immigration reform in this country is getting really messed up. It's it's really messed up now. It's so totally divided to it's ridiculous. That's true. I have to agree with you. It is ridiculous. Because, because, like I said, I, I don't have any family in another country. But if I did, like in Cuba or Jamaica or or, or Cuba, because they say Cuba, um, I would definitely go back to send some money to my relatives there in order for them to survive. Mm-hmm. I would, I'll, I'll definitely do that. That's that. I'll do that if if I if I was from another country. I mean, if I have family in another country, if I was a native, if if I was born a Jamaican or born a Cuban or born um, uh, uh, Haitian, I'll I'll reach back and and get and reach back, help them get on their feet until they, in the, unless they decide to come to the United States. Live here for live on. Try to get a visa. Try to live here for a few for a year. You know, you know, study, you know, study the Constitution and everything, and then go to, you know, go to the classes and everything, and get sworn in as a as a as a, um, as, a as a as a citizen. Some of them do that. There are some who do that, and some some people like. Both, like I said, they do. They have dual 
um, citizenship in both countries, which is not which is not bad. Which I I, I think that's not a bad. I don't think that's really bad. So, immigration reform is it's messed up, and the way the this administration is, they only that it's only it's looking out for number one. Mm-hmm. It's all me, 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 me. It's not us, and there's no, no. I in team. Exactly. <clears throat> All right, let's see some more Uncle Donald. <laughs> see, those who voted me in, who vote him in, that's your problem. I ain't got me. I don't have to do jack. Y'all put them in, y'all deal with them. All I could do is just pray for them and leave them alone. That's all I can do. But as far as support, no. There's no support with this kid, with this, with this administration. None whatsoever. These, look, at it. look at these two here. Look like two bucks on the log. Pence and, 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 and uh, the speaker there. Like two bumps in the log. This vital reform is necessary not just for our economy, but for our security and for the future of America. Me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. But there is much more work to be done. We will continue our fight until ISIS is defeated. Army Staff Sergeant Justin Peck is here tonight. Near Raqqa, last November, Justin and his comrade, Chief Petty Officer Kenton Stacy, were on a mission to clear buildings that ISIS had rigged with explosives so that civilians could return to that city, hopefully soon and hopefully safely. Clearing the second floor of a vital hospital, Kenton Stacy was severely wounded by an explosion. Immediately, Justin bounded into the booby-trapped and unbelievably dangerous and unsafe building and found Kenton, but in very, very bad shape. He applied pressure to the wound and inserted a tube to reopen an airway. He then performed CPR for 20 straight minutes during the ground transport and maintained artificial respiration through two and a half hours and through emergency surgery. Kenton Stacy would have died if it were not for Justin's selfless love for his fellow warrior. Tonight, Kenton is recovering in Texas. Raqqa is liberated, and Justin is wearing his new bronze star with a V for valor, Staff Sergeant Peck. Thank you. 
all of America salutes. Now that's um that is a real American hero. And to all and to all those soldiers out soldiers and sailors and airmen, you are definitely America's heroes. In the terrible Iran, as of a few months ago, our warriors in Afghanistan have new rules of engagement. Along with their heroic Afghan partners, our military is no longer undermined by artificial timelines and we no longer tell our enemies our plans. Or, or do they? like China and Russia that challenge our interests, our economy, and our values. In confronting these horrible dangers, we know that weakness is the surest path to conflict, and unmatched power is the surest means to our true and great defense. For this reason, I am asking Congress to end the dangerous defense sequester, and fully fund our great military. All right, this is more. Okay, before we hear some more reaction, we'll take a break and come back. You listen to Nature Talk, the Sunday evening forum. He'll talk to you. I'm in the car next to you on the highway. I sit in front of you on the bus. I'm one out of every six Americans, and I'm struggling with hunger. This isn't an uncontrollable epidemic. There's enough food in this country to feed every hungry person. Please, visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for those around you, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Vince Gill for RAD, recording artists, actors, and athletes against drunk driving. Real life's not a song. In less than it takes to play my latest hit, someone will be killed or injured in an alcohol-related crash. So next time you're out with someone who's been drinking, don't let them take the wheel. Take the keys instead. Sad stories make great songs, but happy endings make better lives. That's why friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. After hearing Marian Anderson perform in 1935, famous conductor Arturo Toscanini said, Yours is a voice one hears once in a hundred years. She was born in Philadelphia in 1897. She began singing in the church choir, entered a vocal contest, and took top prize. A performance with the New York Philharmonic. Anderson went to Europe and returned home a critical success. 
At the height of her fame in 1939, Daughters of the Revolution refused to let her use their concert hall in D.C. It sparked a national outrage. First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt resigned from the group in protest and arranged instead for Anderson to sing at the Lincoln Memorial on Easter Sunday. 75,000 people turned out. Marian Anderson, the contralto of the century. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views of Peace of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk Shoe, Productions, and the sponsors. This is Nation Talk, real talk, real issues. Somebody? <laughs> he probably, probably goes like cowboy we, like George Bush. Um, like we don't have a like we don't have a strong military already. I know. I don't know why they said it's weak. We do have a strong. We got one of the strongest militaries in the world. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And te- and and technology. Ooh we. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. Well, it, 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 it is so more. It's so more advanced. Oh my gosh! It's it's so advanced. Just ridiculous. You, uh, you, mm-hmm. you got a question? Well, I heard that they are twenty years ahead of us. Who? Um. What? What? What country? Uh, our our uh, military is twenty years a. Uh, 20 years ahead of us. So that what I heard, I don't know if that's true or not, but that what I it's heard. Not, it's I, not I, really, true. I really doubt it because we, we, we got so not much true. technology to it's just ridiculous. They even got uh, a way to 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 tackle cyborg, cyborg attacks. Dang. You know, uh, cyber attacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it's so advanced. They can shut down anybody who tries to, to tap in. They can just, they can shut them down quickly. They can spot them and quick and quickly shut them down. How they do it? I don't know. They got they, they their their machines are more advanced than it's more it's more advanced. Their, their ships are more advanced. Their mm-hmm. submarines. Especially the nuclear submarines are, are are very advanced. They're more advanced than than 
I believe it's more. I think it's. I believe it's more advanced than when Jimmy Carter was um, was was in the Navy. It's much more, much years and years and years more advanced when Jimmy Carter was in the Navy when he first joined the Navy, and much. And I believe it's much more than than the year you know during the Vietnam War. I believe it's much advanced. The weapons. I believe they're more advanced because they're teaching the um I think who was that two they they they're defending Syria I think it's defending helping Syria I think they're helping they're they're right now helping Syria um with as far as advancement and trying to get them to be more advanced in in military. Um, yeah, they they are they're teaching them more because, like I said, I think the I think the I think United States, China, and North Korea are right now the three strongest countries right now. Russia is starting to build up. The military again, slowly but surely. Remember, Russia was our was we was we was against it was U.S. and Russia mm-hmm. through the Cold War, and it was like this big build up, big build up. Then all of a sudden, they they dropped. They I don't know. They dropped out. I don't know what happened to Russia. They broke, they they broke camp. I don't know what happened. And now they're like I think like the third strongest country now. China being second. America and Korea are like first and second. So those are those are the most powerful armies right now. And let's see. I'm trying to think who else. Britain is Britain falls in there as well. Um, somewhere in there, they 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 still hold their own. Um, Germany they're still holding their own. They're not as powerful as was that went during World War Two, what when the Nazis and you know with Hitler was um, in charge. But they're somewhere in there. But they're, I'm sure they, they're slowly but surely building up, building up, building up. And if they don't, and and if Rocket Man don't don't um, if 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 the president don't if don't entice Rocket Man, they would be all right. <clears throat> If he don't entice them to war, but like Mike said, something gotta be up, and I think it's I think it's North Korea. It yeah. could be. It, it could be. Cause you North know what? Korea, uh, North Korea been shooting so many rockets, I can't count them now. They're getting closer and closer to the United States. Go ahead, Mike. But they uh, see uh, North Korea testing rockets. We already have, have rockets already tested that can do 
precision work. Oh yeah. That's what that's what I'm talking about. But see the thing about it when they're talking about build up, those countries like North Korea, China, they are doing manpower. United States don't need manpower Mm-mm. like that. They depending on that on the foot soldiers. They oh, don't yeah. depend on foot soldiers. Oh yeah. That's you why they I mean? got the, that's why they got Marines there. That's why that's why we got Marines. All right now. So that's why because you go know, in and, and a couple of rock a couple of uh like missiles and stuff and take out a whole community. Oh yeah. That's that's why we got Marines, we got uh, Navy SEALs, we got the Green Berets. Yep. And we got the Rangers. When they're not drunk. Uh, Be nice now. <laughs> when they're not drunk and fighting other people, that we got those we got those three because they are so well trained to it's ridiculous. They Thank eat, you. sleep, and eat, sleep, and 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 walk and talk. That what they do. I mean, they are some bad boys. They don't play. I mean, training. In order to get to, you got to be, you got to really take it in order to be a a, a seal or a green beret or a ranger. You, you got you you got to be really good, and in, in order to get into this, because if you, right. you're not if you're not good. You know, up to their standard, you won't make it. Cause they, 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 they believe in high standard performance. Of all of their soldiers, all of those of their soldiers, and those three particular outfits, they, they demand it. Navy SEALs. I think that's the toughest. I think Navy SEALs is the toughest. Of all two, of all three. I think it's the toughest. Yeah. They they go through some stuff. Oh, they're crazy. <laughs> they, they are. They are. And it don't it don't phase them. It it doesn't phase them at all. That they they're so disciplined. That's the way I'm trying. I'm thinking now. These guys are real disciplined. All three of them disciplined. But the seals, I think they're more disciplined. Yep. Dead, dead. I agree with you on that one. So, so therefore we have the technology and the equipment oh, yeah. to go do things. It's just the thing about it is like with the commander commander is, is has to tell us why we don't have to engage in certain out uh, certain confrontation. Mm-hmm. But just like with uh, Iraq. Iraq oh. could have been taken over a long time ago. Oh yeah, and it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been that much death involved in. But no, the the, the administration held back the, the 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 military to keep them from doing that job and and uh, you know taking yeah. over the place. Because we yeah, because we was in that territory, they knew they knew that desert. Like the back of their hands because they lived there. Yeah, I mean they 
they could go underground and stay underground and don't come up for days, probably weeks, maybe a year, and and then <laughs> all of a sudden surface. Just all of a sudden, they, boom, they, boom, there they are. I don't know how they do it, but they they they're good. They 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 kind of remind me of um, the big cons. Oh wow. The Viet Cons are clever. They were very clever. It's come it come down to military. I, I I used to hear I used to hear stories from the old from the old veterans that Charlie could be anywhere. And the and one thing you gotta do is to watch your step because they they have a mind somewhere where you're walking. You might be walking somewhere, and that could be your mm. mind. Yep. And they and Charlie could be in the trees. They could be in the trees, disguised as 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 a branch, mm-hmm. or they could be on the ground, described uh, as brush as a, as a brush. They could come out, boom. I don't know. They. They just they did just that good. <laughs> They're very clever. Uh, oh yeah, the Black Ops. That's the other one. That's the other one. I could I I forgot about. Who's that? The Black Ops. Oh. The Black Ops are highly trained. They're kind of like um. They're kind of like ninjas. In a way. They come in, they do what they got to do, and they disappear. They're gone. You hear nothing else more about them. They're they're going. They they they're doing another mission somewhere. They're amazing. They are amazing. Hmm. Yeah, I, I forgot about the Black Ops. I, I completely forgot about them. They're specially trained as well. Those are the assassins. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, they had. I think they had black ops. I don't know if they had it there when. They, I don't know if they sent black ops. In Iraq, Iran, and I'm not sure. I know it was the Navy SEALs, but I'm, I don't know. Did they, they in Iran, Iraq? They, I'm, I'm pretty sure they did. Um, they sent. Uh, Sent them. Uh, I'm trying to see what is going on score-wise, because it's it. I I hear the TV. The, the TV's in another room. I was watching some of it of the game. <laughs> And it, it, this is like it's going to be uh, either the second quarter, either start the second quarter. The, the Super Bowl, um, the Super Bowl halftime is, is went off. And where are they playing? They're playing in the Purple City, Minneapolis. Oh, okay. Yep. Cold, please. Well, actually, they're actually they they are 
in in the dome. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, that they're in the dome. They're not playing. Um, they're not playing in the snow. They're, I remember the time the Vikings was snowing and oh my god. Oh yeah. It was. It's a mess. It was a mess. Uh, let's see. All right. Let's see what the score is, because I I want to keep up with the score to find out. The last time I I checked, um, the Eagles was leading. Mm. That was that's the that's since the last time that was like a that was like an hour ago. So I'm not sure. Click on here. They got the Eagles and Patriots on live on Yahoo, and it's on NBC. Oh, and by the way, folks, the some the the Winter Olympics is next week. It's going to be in Korea, in South Korea. Uh, the capital of South Korea. And I'm, I'm going to... It starts the 5th. And I'm still trying to pull up the score. Okay. All right. I'm, okay. All right. There it goes. Okay. Twenty two nineteen Philly. Well That's not bad. Uh uh-uh. uh. I I said I said it's gonna be I said it's gonna be a close game. Hmm. I, I I I did say it's gonna be close. Well uh, it could go it could go either way, huh? It could go either way. But I'm really hoping for I'm really hoping for uh I'm really hoping for the Patriots to win. Well I am not a sports jock so I don't even care who wins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hold on. Right now the score is nine twenty two to nineteen. Philly is leading in the Super Bowl. And I think they had another. Well, I think they had another touchdown. But I think I think uh, Patriots want to call if they want to uh, call that one back for some reason. Anyway, we'll be back for our second hour of Nation Talk right after this. Stay tuned. Think you could easily get to your family if a disaster struck right now? Think you can wing it during an emergency because you're a New Yorker? 
Most parents don't realize that protecting your family starts long before an actual disaster strikes. It starts today by being prepared and making a plan. To learn how, take our readiness challenge at nyc.gov slash readynewyork or call 311 for information. In this online tool, you'll be faced with real-life challenges, teaching you the importance of being prepared for a disaster. Brought to you by the New York City Office of Emergency Management and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views of the Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of TalkShoe Generated Productions and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is an absolute privilege to join you all tonight. You're listening to, to Joe, Representative Joseph P. Kennedy III, in a Democratic response. We are here in Fall River, Massachusetts, a proud American city. An American city built by immigrants. From textiles to robots, this is a place that knows how to make great things. The students who are with us here this evening in the auto tech program at Diamond Regional Technical School carry on that rich legacy. Like many American hometowns, Fall River has faced its share of storms. But the people here are tough. They fight for each other. They pull for their city. It is a fitting place to gather as our nation reflects on the state of our union. This is a difficult task. Many have spent the last year anxious, angry, afraid. We all feel the fractured fault lines across our country. We hear the voices of Americans who are forgotten and feel forsaken. We see an economy that makes stocks soar, investor portfolios bulge, and corporate profits climb, but fails to give workers their fair share of the reward. A government that struggles to keep itself open Russia, knee-deep in our democracy. An all-out war on environmental protection. A Justice Department rolling back civil rights by the day. Hatred and supremacy proudly marching in our streets. Bullets tearing through our classrooms, concerts, and congregations targeting our safest, sacred places. And this nagging, sinking feeling, no matter your political beliefs, that this is not right. This is not who we are. (laughs) 
Folks, it would, it would be easy to dismiss this past year's chaos. Partisanship, that's politics. But it's far, far bigger than that. This administration isn't just targeting the laws that protect us. They're targeting the very idea that we are all worthy of protection. For them, dignity isn't something you're born with, but something you measure by your net worth, your celebrity, your headlines, your crowd size. Not to mention the gender of your spouse, the country of your birth, the color of your skin, the God of your prayers. Their record is a rebuke to our highest American ideal, the belief that we are all worthy, that we are all equal, that we all count. In the eyes of our law and our leaders, our God and our government, that is the American promise. Today, ladies and gentlemen, today, that promise is being broken by an administration that callously appraises our worthiness and decides who makes the cut and who can be bargained away. They're turning American life into a zero-sum game where for one to win, another must lose, where we can guarantee America's safety if we slash our safety net where we can extend health care in Mississippi if we gut it in Massachusetts. We can cut taxes for corporations today if we raise them on families tomorrow. Where we can take care of sick kids if we sacrifice dreamers. We are bombarded with one false choice after another. Coal miners or single moms. Rural communities or inner cities. The coast or the heartland. As if the mechanic in Pittsburgh, a teacher in Tulsa, and a daycare worker in Birmingham are bitter rights rather than mutual casualties of a system forcefully rigged towards those at the top. As if the parent who lies awake terrified that their transgender son or daughter will be beaten and bullied at school is any more or less legitimate a parent whose heart is shattered by a daughter in the grips of an opioid addiction. So here is the, dem- is the answer that Democrats offer tonight. We choose both.
choose a better deal for all who call our country home. We choose a living wage and a paid leave and affordable childcare your family needs to survive. We choose pensions that are solvent, trade packs that are fair, roads and bridges that won't rust away, a good education that you can afford. We choose a healthcare system that offers you mercy, whether you suffer from cancer or depression or addiction. We choose an economy strong enough to boast record stock prices and brave enough to admit that top CEOs making 300 times their average worker is not right. We choose Fault River. We choose the thousands of American communities whose roads aren't paved with power or privilege, but with an honest effort, with good faith, and the resolve to build something better for your kids. That, that is our story. It began the day our founding fathers and mothers set sail for a new world, fleeing oppression and intolerance. It continued with every word of our independence, the audacity to, to declare that all men are created equal, an imperfect promise for a nation struggling to become a more perfect union. It grew with every suffragette step, every freedom rider's voice, with every weary soul we welcomed to our shores. And to all the dreamers out there watching tonight, let me be absolutely clear. Ustedes son parte de nuestra historia. Vamos a luchar. Vamos a luchar por ustedes. Y no, nos vamos a alejar. You are part of our story. We will fight for you, and we will not walk away. Washington last year to ensure that no parent has to worry if they can afford to save their child's life. You proudly marched together last weekend, thousands deep, on the streets of Las Vegas and Philadelphia and Nashville. You sat high atop your mom's shoulders and held a sign that read, build a wall and my generation will tear it down. bravely say, me too. You steadfastly say, Black Lives Matter. You wade through floodwaters, battle hurricanes, brave wildfires and mudslides, save a stranger. You battle your own quiet battles every single day. You drag your weary bodies to that extra shift that your families won't feel the sting of scarcity. 
you leave loved ones at home to defend our country overseas, patrol our neighborhoods at night. You serve. You rescue. You help. You heal. That, more than any law or leader, debate or disagreement, that is what drives us towards progress. Bullies may land a punch. They may leave a mark. But they have never, not once, in the history of our United States, managed to match the strength and spirit of a people united in defense of their future. Politicians... Politicians can be cheered for the promises they make. Our country will be judged by the promises we keep. All right. That was Congressman Joseph P. Kennedy, by the way, which is Okay, what you thought about uh, the congressman's um, response? Was that Sanders? No, 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 that was uh, Joseph P. Kennedy, the third. That was heavy. That was nice. Yep. He he, kind of sounded like Obama a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, but we got to get back to we got to get busy. Too much barnyard stuff floating around in the pilot in the in the in the politicians. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. I don't know, man, because listen to the president and then listen to the rebuttals uh, the other night. It's like, how can we how can we sit up and listen to these lies and, and then applaud them and thinking everything's going to be all right? You know, unemployment is low. Oh, everybody's doing this. Oh, we got raises. Come on. Yeah. That's straight up that's a straight out lie. <laughs> well, speaking of that, I see I need to go back down. Yeah. I think I, I think uh went down too far. Okay. Here is from C N N the the facts. And fiction of uh, of the president's speech. <laughs> You'd be surprised. But again, might not be too surprised. The president made some huge claims about what he's done for jobs. Since the election, we have created 2.4 million new jobs, including 200,000 new jobs in manufacturing alone. African-American unemployment stands at the lowest rate ever recorded. 
And, of course, the recovery started under Barack Obama, but it has continued under President Trump. He has his numbers right. And while African-American unemployment is much higher than white unemployment, it's still at a record low. All of those claims are absolutely true. He also had this to say about taxes. We enacted the biggest tax cuts and reforms in American history. You recall the Republicans passed their big tax plan late last year. It did have some whopping raw numbers in it. But as a percentage of the U.S. economy, of the GDP, as you can see, several presidents have had bigger tax cuts. That claim is false. What did the president have to say about one of his favorite topics, immigrants? Under the current broken system, a single immigrant can bring in virtually unlimited numbers of distant relatives. If you become a U.S. citizen or illegal resident, yeah, you can probably bring in your spouse and your children, but aunts and uncles and parents and grown children, that's a lot harder. It is not the free-for-all that he is suggesting. That claim is false. And what did he have to say about the great long battle with ISIS? I am proud to report that the coalition to defeat ISIS has liberated very close to 100% of the territory just recently held by these killers in Iraq and in Syria and in other locations as well. Again, it started under Barack Obama, but the military says President Trump has really helped them energize this fight. All the green in there, that's territory that ISIS has lost. And you can see the raw numbers over here. So, yeah, that claim is true. He said a few other things we should mention, for example, that he implied terrorists exploited the U.S. immigration system for some recent attacks in New York, but authorities say the suspects there were radicalized after they got here, so that's true but misleading. He said a Chrysler plant was moving back from Mexico to Michigan. Some production is coming back, but the plant is remaining in Mexico as well, so that's false. And he said he's appointed more circuit judges than any other president at this point. That is true. We checked out a whole lot more. You can check it out. Go to our website, cnn.com slash reality check. All right. All right. So that's the facts and fiction of... Of, uh, you know what that you know what that speech sound like? What's that? A long time ago, there were two people in this garden, and somebody came up and said, "That won't happen. It won't be like that." Uh huh. That's what you call deceitfulness. How you take a truth and you twist it around, polish it up, and then you make a lie out of it. Uh-huh. All right now? Yeah. So, like you said, those things are true, but if you really look at it in a good eye, you can see the moth, the mold, and the and the toxicity. Now what? Yep. Plus it smells. It smells big time, bad. Something smells in Denmark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to go there with I had to go Sherlock Holmes on that one. 
Um, Maxine Waters. Yeah, let's hear what she got to say. She boycott the, the State of the Union. This is bef- now. This is before. Uh, this is before the. I think maybe an hour or two, maybe an hour before the before the State of the Union, and uh, this is what she had to say. away from President Trump's first State of the Union address, but not all lawmakers will be in attendance. A number of Democrats plan to boycott the speech, including Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Congresswoman Waters joins me now from the Capitol. She's a Democrat representing California's 43rd District. Good afternoon, Congresswoman. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. I want to ask you what your reason is for boycotting the President's address. Why not hear him out? Uh, I will not be attending uh, the President's State of the Union this evening uh, because I know so much about this President. I have watched him very thoroughly as he campaigned. I've spent a year uh, fighting him and his practices. Uh, He is documented, he's been documented to have told 2001 lies uh, in one year's uh, serving uh, in this country. And so I don't trust him. Uh, I don't believe anything that he has to say, and there's no reason for me to sit there and pretend. You say you don't trust him. The White House says his speech is about unity. Is there anything he could say to you to get you back to the table? Uh, It's not anything you could say. Uh, Perhaps there's something he could say uh, to this country. Uh, He certainly has not been about unity. This is a man who basically uh, sided with uh, the right wing, uh, the white supremacists and others at Charlottesville. Uh, this is a man who's been very divisive. One of the first things that he did was to have a travel ban uh, that would exclude Muslims from this country. The other thing, he calls Mexicans rapists and all kinds of names, said he was going to build a wall and he was going to make Mexico pay for it. Uh, he just disparaged uh, Haiti and Africa and called them assholes. And so what do you mean when you talk about unity? He cannot make us believe in one speech that he's going to change his character. This man has no good values, and I don't expect that he is going to change. And certainly one speech uh, at the State of the Union is not going to do that. You know, the president, one sector of the community has been involved, and the president is saying he's touting these record low unemployment rates, particularly among African Americans. It's 8.6, excuse me, 6.8% in December. That's historically low. Congresswoman, I remember a point when you were critical of President Obama for not doing enough for black unemployment. What do you make of that number? Well, let me just say this. Uh, First of all, this president takes credit for everything. As a matter of fact, he goes so far as to take credit for getting North Korea and South Korea together when they actually got together around the Olympics. And so, yes, the employment rates have been steadily coming down, but still we are double the white rates. You're right. It has been coming down steadily since 2010. You were, as I mentioned, critical of President Obama for not doing enough. What more would you like to see this president do in reaching out to communities, as you outlined earlier? Well, first of all, he's done nothing. Uh, This president should be about all of the people. This president should be about understanding 
how to create opportunities for the least of these. This president should understand how important comprehensive health care and Obamacare is to the African-American community. He should be investing more in education and housing. He has not talked about any of this, so there's a lot that he could do. I don't expect that he's going to do very much. You'll be giving your own response to the president's address on BET. What will your message be? Well, I'm not going to uh, preempt my message. Yes, I will be given a response, and, and I hope everyone uh, can watch it this evening. And you're one of several Democrats who are giving responses. Uh, why so many out there today? Well, it's not so many out there. When we are invited, uh, particularly by the news media, as I was invited by BET, uh, I think that's an opportunity that I should take advantage of. And so I'm pleased that there's more than one or two or three uh, for all members who have an opportunity to respond to the invitations. I think we should do that. Congresswoman, you've been serving in Congress for more than two decades. I'm sure that you'd like to flip the House, see it turn Democratic. What is the message that you think can resound with voters out there who didn't come to the polls last go-around and might, you hope, show up in the term? Well, uh, basically, I think that we are looking for a president that's a unifier. I do think that we're looking for a president that will represent all of the people. I think we're looking for a president who understands we have international allies and that these friends that we have developed over the years are not to be disparaged. Uh, they're not to be uh, talked about in uh, terrible ways. And I think that whether it's the domestic agenda or the international agenda, we need someone who knows and understands, have an appreciation for public policy and the Constitution. And uh, that's what we're looking for. So do you think the message is double down on resistance of Democrats, you know, attack the president? Is that enough to flip the House? I beg your pardon, what is it say? I was just saying, do you think it's enough to sort of attack the president directly as a strategy to turn the House blue? Well, that's not what Democrats do. Uh, what we've been doing is we've been fighting. Uh, don't forget, we had to struggle for Obamacare and to keep comprehensive, uniform health care for all of the people. We're the ones who fight for housing. We're the ones who talk about the environment. This president has come along. He's talking about drilling on our beaches in California and Florida. So we know what we're fighting for. We know what we stand for. We stand for peace, and we don't like the way that he talks about North Korea. Name-calling, the little rocket man, that's not how a credible president deals with problems. Uh, what we want, we want peace. Uh, we want uh, security. We want to make sure that we have an environment where people can live safely. And so this president has represented none of that. And we're not just about being against him. We're about continuing to push the policies that are good for all of the people. Congresswoman Maxine Waters, thank you for joining us, Congresswoman. You're welcome. Certainly. That was Congressman, Congress, Congresswoman Maxine Waters her response to the president's speech. She pointed out some things there. Uh, I think it's important. Um, and well, let's see. What do you think what what do you think of what the Congresswoman said? 
I pray for her that she would be influential in helping to help make a change in this country. But she made good sense. She does. She was on the view, and she was maybe to. They probably was asking her if she's going to run in twenty twenty. That's a pretty good choice. Just open pulled out. Maxine was could be a good choice. Who knows? You mean for president? Who knows? Uh, I don't know. It, it's it's going to be it's it's going to be really hard. Oprah president, congressman, vice president. <laughs> that, Two that, women. That ain't that, that could that could happen. Uh, <laughs> that could happen. Who knows? Ooh, I'm not gonna put it. I will not put it past it. I mean, I will not put it past it at all. Yeah, all right. Then. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's better. Than, it's better than this. It's better than these two knuckleheads in the White House. <clears throat> Ain't that something? Mm-hmm. Like she said. Sometimes you, when you can't trust somebody because they they ain't they ain't validated or what you call they ain't trustworthy, what you gonna do, man? Come on, you know what I mean? I know. That's sad. That is it, so it bad. It is bad. It is bad. Well, here's Bernie Sanders. All what, right. What, what more can I say? <laughs> about the major crisis. About the major crises facing our country that regrettably uh, President Trump chose not to discuss. I want to talk to you about the lies that he told during his campaign and the promises that he made to working people, which he did not keep. Finally, I want to offer a vision of where we should go as a nation, which is far different than the divisiveness, dishonesty, and racism coming from the Trump administration over the past year. President Trump talked tonight about the strength of our economy. Well, on that point, he's right. Official unemployment today is 4.1%, which is the lowest it has been in years, and the stock market in recent months has soared. That's the good news. But what President Trump failed to mention is that his first year in office marked the lowest level 
of job creation since 2010. In fact, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, 254,000 fewer jobs were created in Trump's first 11 months in office than were created in 11 months before he entered office. Further, when we talk about the economy, what's most important is to understand what is happening to the average worker. And here's the story that Trump failed to mention tonight. Over the last year, after adjusting for inflation, the average worker in America saw a wage increase of, are you ready for this, four cents an hour, or 0.17%. Or to put it in a different way, that worker received a raise of a little more than $1.60 a week. And as is often the case, that tiny wage increase disappeared as a result of soaring health care costs. Meanwhile, at a time of massive wealth and income inequality, the rich continue to get much richer while millions of American workers are working two or three jobs just to keep their heads above water. Since March of last year, the three richest people in America saw their wealth increase by more than $68 billion. Three people, a $68 billion increase in wealth. Meanwhile, the average worker saw an increase of $0.04 an hour. Tonight, Donald Trump touted the bonuses he claims workers received because of his so-called tax reform bill. What he forgot to mention is that only 2% of Americans Americans reported receiving a raise or a bonus because of this tax bill, 2%. What he also failed to mention is that some of the corporations that have given out bonuses, such as Walmart, AT&T, General Electric, and Pfizer, are also laying off tens of thousands of their employees. Kimberly Clark, the maker of Kleenex and Huggies, recently said they were using money from the tax cut to restructure, laying off more than 5,000 workers and closing 10 plants. Uh, Let me say a few words now about some of the issues that President Trump failed to mention tonight, and that is the difference between what he promised the American people as a candidate and what he has delivered as a president. Many of you will recall that during his campaign, Donald Trump told the American people how he was going to provide health insurance for everybody with, quote-unquote, much lower deductibles, end quote. That is what he promised working families all across this country during his campaign. But as president, he did exactly the opposite. Last year, he supported legislation that would have thrown up to 32 million people off of the health care they had, while at the same time substantially raising premiums for older Americans. The reality is that although we were able to beat back Trump's effort to repeal the Affordable Care Act, 3 million fewer Americans have health insurance today than before Trump took office. 
and that number will be going even higher in the coming months. I know I heard tonight many of my Republican colleagues standing up and applauding how great it is that millions of Americans are going to lose their health insurance. Not quite something that I understand. As you all recall during his campaign, Trump promised not to cut Social Security, Medicare, or Medicaid. That is what he promised. As president, however, he supported a Republican budget resolution that proposed slashing Medicaid by $1 trillion and cutting Medicare by $500 billion. Further, President Trump's own budget called for cutting Social Security disability insurance by $64 billion. During Trump's campaign for president, he talked about how he was going to lower prescription drugs and take on the greed of the pharmaceutical industry, which he said was getting away with murder. And tonight we heard him talking again about the high cost of prescription drugs and saying, quote, one of my greatest priorities is to reduce the price of prescription drugs, end of quote. That's what he talks about. But as president, Trump nominated Alex Azar, a former executive of the Eli Lilly Company, one of the largest drug companies in this country, to head up the Department of Health and Human Services. Trump spoke about how other countries' drugs cost far less, yet he has done nothing to allow Americans to purchase less expensive prescription drugs from abroad or to require Medicare to negotiate drug prices, which he promised he would do when he ran for president. In other words, Mr. President, stop talking about the high cost of prescription drugs. Do something about it. During the campaign, Donald Trump told us, quote, the rich will not be gaining at all, end of quote, under his tax reform plan. The rich will not be gaining at all. Well, that was quite a whopper. As president, the tax reform legislation Trump signed into law a few weeks ago provides 83% of the benefits to the top 1%, drives up the deficit by $1.7 trillion, and raises taxes on 92 million middle-class families by the end of the decade. During his campaign for president, Trump talked about how he was going to take on the greed of Wall Street, which he said, quote, has caused tremendous problems for us, end quote. As president, not only has Trump not taken on Wall Street, he has appointed more Wall Street billionaires to his administration than any president in history. And now, on behalf of Wall Street, he is trying to repeal the modest provisions of the Dodd-Frank legislation, which provide consumer protections against Wall Street thievery. But what is also important to note is not just Trump's dishonesty. It is that tonight he avoided, didn't say a word, about some of the most important issues facing our country and the world. Now, I don't understand how a president of the United States can give a State of the Union speech and not mention climate change. No, Mr. Trump, climate change is not a hoax. It is a reality which is causing devastating harm all over our country and all over the world. And you are dead wrong 
when you appoint administrators at the EPA and other agencies who are trying to decimate environmental protection rules and slow down the transition to sustainable energy? How can a President of the United States in the year 2018 not discuss the disastrous Citizens United Supreme Court decision which allows billionaires like the Koch brothers to undermine American democracy by spending hundreds of millions of dollars to elect candidates who will represent the rich and the powerful? How can he not talk about Republican governors' efforts all across this country to undermine American democracy, suppress the vote, and make it harder for poor people or people of color to vote? How can he not talk about the fact that in a highly competitive global economy, hundreds of thousands of bright young people are unable to afford to go to college, while millions of others have come out of school deeply in debt and struggle with that debt every month of their life? How can a president of the United States not talk about the inadequate funding and staffing at the Social Security Administration, which has resulted in thousands of people with disabilities dying because they did not get their claims processed in time? How can he not talk about the retirement crisis facing the working people of this country and the fact that over half of older workers have no retirement savings? We need to strengthen pensions in this country, not take them away for millions of workers. How can a president not talk about the reality that Russia, through cyber warfare, interfered in our election in 2016, is interfering in democratic elections all over the world, and according to his own CIA director, will likely interfere in the 2018 midterm elections that we will be holding. How do you not talk about that unless perhaps you have a very special relationship with Mr. Putin? All right. That's a little bit there of uh, Bernie Sanders and what uh, his response. And... It does make a lot of sense. Wow. There's a lot of things he didn't talk about. And Bernie, Sand- and Bernie Sanders pointed it out. Pointed it out. Bring it right on down Front Street. Whew. And how Man. much raise how much raise did the, the that the, the tax reform brought to the people? Four cents? Come on. Yeah. That's very little. Insult. Very, very little. It's an insult. It is an insult. And the governor of this state here, I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'll be so glad when he gets out of office and find a, a somebody who, who will go with the, the, um, the living wage. He's, he is not, he has, he, he has not raised the, the living wage here. In Georgia, has not, mm. and that's what I'm fussing about now. That he has not done it. And I'd be so glad when he does leave. His when his time is up, 
I'd be so glad. Uh, what was that? Uh, what was that? Bernie Sanders was talking about how how the governors compresses the the ability for minorities to vote. What was he oh, talking yeah. about? Um, I think I think it has to something to do with um the um the tax the not the tax thing but the um he must be talking about voter voter fraud. Cause that has been going. That's been going on lately. That's been a big. That's been a big ticket issue lately. Oh yeah. And that's probably what he's talking about, especially what you have to have a um, ID in order to to um, to in order to vote or whatever. How I forgot how that forgot how that thing goes now, but. That's pretty much what he's he that's probably what he's talking about. I that's what comes to mind. Um hmm. it, it, it could be something else. Yeah, hold on. We got our fail and fail well. Come up. This is Nation Talk. Energy efficiency interviews are brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Matthew, you know energy-saving light bulbs last six times longer than that old bulb in your lamp. Uh, yeah, well, I don't even live here. Matthew, dinner's ready. I never met that woman. It's your favorite, Matt. Lasagna. Uh, Don't you people knock? Just give me the energy saver. Millions of kids are using their energy wisely. What's your excuse? Learn more at LoseYourExcuse.gov. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. This week we lost four celebrities. This week. This past week. In Ingvar Kemp Pride, who was the founder of IKEA, Olivia Cole, Emmy Award winning actress who played in Roots, Martin, Mort Walker, creator of the comic strip Beetle Bailey, and of course, former temptation, Dennis Edwards. We've lost all three this week. So this is our hell. Uh, <laughs> this is our hell and farewell to all of those who we lost. Let's start with uh, cartoonist Mort Walker. This is an interview that Bruce Blitz did with him. Um, It's a little bit of an interview that he did. One of the best things about having my own cartoon show is that I get to meet my cartoon heroes. And today, today's got to be one of my favorites and probably yours too. For the past 50 years, my guest has been drawing and writing the Army's worst and funniest Army private, Beetle Bailey, and his wacky bunch of Army buddies. And Beetle Bailey is seen in over 1,800 publications worldwide. And in addition to that, my guest has created High and Lois, Sam and Silo, Boner's Ark, and he's even the founder 
of the International Museum of Cartoon Art here in Boca Raton, Florida, where we are right now. And I'd like to introduce him to you, my new friend, Mr. Mort Walker. Mort, welcome to the show. Bruce, nice to be here. Oh, great to have you on the show. Now, as I said, 50 years of Beetle Bailey. Where do you come from? Is it based on someone you know? Is it you? I don't know. All my characters are based on real people. Okay. I had a, a high school buddy who was so lazy that uh, we went to play golf one day, and his mother said, he's still in bed. So I go upstairs. I said, come on, David, let's get going. And he just turned over and went back to sleep. I turned his bed over. He fell out on the floor, grabbed his pillow, and went on sleeping. <laughs> we, missed our, we missed our tea time. We missed our tea time, and that was Beetle Bailey. That, that was Beetle Bailey. And that's where you get it. Now, uh, Beetle Bailey and Sarge, that's where most of the interaction happens. Mm -hmm. But I counted, and tell me if I'm right, about 12 or 13 characters in the strip. I mean, it's really extensive. How many people I have there? more characters than any other strip that's running. I've got about 30 characters. Okay, now, what's what the reason for that? Well, an army is, isn't is run by one or two people. You've got to have a whole platoon. Is it also because when you come up with a gag and it doesn't fit somebody, you say, to create somebody else? Yeah, I, I like to uh, space out the characters, uh, the work that they do. Beatles always run on the, uh, the side characters, like the dog or the black lieutenant on Tuesday. Miss Buxley's always on Wednesday. I see. Then it goes on down the line. They, okay. have, they have their days. Okay, well, would you start by drawing the star of the strip? Beetle Bailey. Well, and explain to us a little bit about how maybe you designed him, and also, has he evolved over the years? He was involved because he started out as a college character. Okay. Based on my experience at the University of Missouri. And then the Korean War heated up, and I had to put him in. So there's one big change. Mm -hmm. He was tall and lanky, just like my friend David Hornaday. Mm -hmm. Now he's more squat and compact because it's just easier to fill up the space with him. He always has three friends. Okay. And they're always placed in that same spot, too, aren't they? Well, whenever my, whenever my pen hits the page, yeah. Okay. But three, and that's it. That's right. Okay. Now, um, obviously, his interaction is always with Sarge, and I like to – that's one of my favorite characters, and his dog, who looks just like him. Well, I had a Sarge whose name was Octavius Saru when I was in the infantry. Mm -hmm. And he was about the meanest, toughest guy you ever can imagine. One day after a particularly tough day, going to the obstacle course, we came back, and on our pillows was a poem that he'd written to my boys. And I thought, what an incongruous thing to happen here. That guy's got actually got a heart. <laughs> so I, I based this character, Sergeant Snorkel, uh -huh. on Sergeant Sabu. And he does have a heart. That's great. Wait a minute. Now, uh, put his collar in, please, and let me see... Uh, what you do there is you simplify things like the collar and your your style is very clean and very neat, I noticed, and right to the point. Uh, I learned that from Disney. Uh, okay. I loved Disney when I was young. I did all the Disney cards when I worked for Hallmark Cards. Okay. And I learned how to draw those simple, fine, this Straight to the point. Straight to the point. No messing around. I, I love to have clean and neat mm -hmm. compositions without things interfering with each other. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, you know, I just make it readable. I want people to be able to read it quickly, fast, and, and not miss anything. I see. Well, communication. Of, yeah, you get it right to the people. I understand. Quick recognition. What about your method of working? I mean, do you uh, pencil? Is it tight penciling? Loose? How's it go? I pencil very tightly because someone else does my inking. My son, Greg, who's my oldest boy, helps me with it. And mm -hmm. I want him to know exactly where I want my line. I don't so want you're to pretty well marked with your pencil. Okay. okay. And it's simpler that way. You get, some guys get in there and get sketching. I think, 
Which line do they uh, know to use? Yeah, and then if it doesn't come out right, I guess it's uh, yeah, it's understandable why it's not coming out. Bert Mort Walker, creator of Beetle Beetle Bailey, and Hyde Lewis. We lost him as well. We also lost was I think it was a great actress, um, Olivia Cole. She was 75. By the way, Mort was, I think it was 95 when he passed. Um, Olivia Cole, she was 75 when she passed. She is an Emmy Award winner actress who was on Roots. She probably remember. Welcome to the Random Slice. She was one of many people's favorite actresses, Olivia Cole, best known for her performances in Roots and the Women of Brewster Place Has Died. She was 75 years old. Cole died January 19th in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. Her agent, Susie Schwartz, at SBB Partners, told Variety. Her cause of death is currently unknown. She was a very eccentric woman and a wonderful, beautiful woman, Schwartz said of Cole, who didn't own a cell phone and shied away from technology. Cole was born in Memphis, Tennessee, and trained at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts in London. She won a Supporting Actress Emmy Award for her performance as Matilda in the 1977 miniseries Roots. Cole also received an Emmy nomination for her lead performance as real-life presidential maid Maggie Rogers in Backstairs at the White House. In 1989, she starred alongside Oprah Winfrey in the TV miniseries The Women of Brewster's Place. Based on Gloria Naylor's book of the same name, her television credits also included L.A. Law and Murder, She Wrote. In addition to her small screen career, Cole appeared in films like Ice Cube's First Sunday and 1978's Coming Home. Her most recent performance was in Emily Mann's play, Having Our Say, at the Hartford Stage in Hartford, Connecticut. Cole's mother also died recently, and her ex-husband, actor Richard Venture, died in December. Ladies and gentlemen, prayers up shall surely be missed. This has been your host, Carol D. Mitchell, on the Random Site. We ask that you like this video and share this video, and we'll see you next time. We also lost Ingvar Kamprad. He was 91. He, he, passed. he also passed this week. He's the founder of IKEA. The founder of the Swedish furniture chain, IKEA, has died. Ingvar Kamprad was just 17 years old when he started the company. Joe Lynham from our broadcast partners at BBC News has more on his legacy. 
Ingvar Kamprad can safely be described as a retailing genius. Born in 1926 in southern Sweden, he started selling matches aged five, then seeds, and then pencils. At 17, he formed IKEA, named after his own initials and the area where he was born. Now it's probably the best-known furniture store in the world, with more than 400 giant shops and annual sales of £30 billion. Mr. Comprad was inspired to create the idea of flat-packed furniture when watching someone remove the legs off a table to fit it into a customer's car. IKEA grew exponentially in the 1980s based on the simple but untested idea that customers would buy well-designed furniture and assemble it in their own homes. And one famous designer tipped his hat today at what Ingvar Komprad had achieved. He actually tapped into the taste that every ordinary person wanted so they could get this new wave of like, modernity that was coming about in the 1950s, and he managed to actually trap it and make it available to everybody. IKEA said that Ingvar Kamprad, who was involved with the business right up until recently, would be much missed by his family and warmly remembered by the company's employees worldwide. And we also lost former Temptation, the lead singer of Temptations, Dennis Edwards. He was 74. One day before his birthday. What a way to start the month off, and not on the right foot, as far as our legends go. So one of my subscribers had sent me a tweet on Twitter asking me, did I hear about Dennis Edwards passing away? And I was like, no, I hadn't heard of it. And... Then I went into Google and typed his name and it scrolled down and started seeing tweets and articles saying that he did indeed pass away at the age of 75. And get this, he died one day before his 76th birthday. I'm sorry, before his 75th birthday, so he was 74. His birthday would have been tomorrow. And according to this article that I'm going to read, it said that he suffered from an aneurysm which is basically something that affects the brain. It says, The sad news of the singer's passing was confirmed by his family to an American news site. Dennis Edwards sadly died just one day before his 75th birthday. The former lead singer of The Temptation has passed away. The sad news was confirmed by his family to American news organization CBS Chicago. Dennis will be forever remembered for crooning his way through the huge hits such as Papa Was a Rolling Stone and I Can't Get Next to You. He will turn 75 tomorrow. Dennis passed away in Chicago reportedly while going through rehabilitation suffering from an aneurysm. Dennis joined the Temptations in 1968, replacing David Ruffin, and enjoyed many stints with the group up until 1989. He also attempted a solo career, landing a hit in 1984 with the single Don't Look Any Further. Dennis had served in the U.S. military before, auditioning for Detroit's Motown Records in 1966. He was signed but placed on retainer, but got his big break when he was brought in to join the Contours after their lead singer fell ill. The group were on the opening act for the Temptations on a number of occasions, and group members Eddie Kendricks and Otis Williams liked what they saw in Eddie. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, they must have said Dennis. They probably put Eddie by mistake. They'd already been thinking about getting rid of their current lead singer, David Ruffin, and went on to recruit Dennis, who quit the Contours to join the band. The Temptation story went on to be made into a 1998 
series, television series, miniseries, which I do remember is that's definitely a classic, with Charles Lee or Charles Lay taking on the role of Dennis. However, Dennis wasn't too heavily focused on as the series gave more attention to the era when Ruffin was in the group. Dennis, who was born in Alabama in 1943, was once married to Pointer sisters, singer Ruth Pointer. They tied the knot in Las Vegas in 1977, but it was a brief marriage. He later remarried a woman named Brenda. They had one daughter, Issa Pointer, who went on to become a member, member of her mother's local vocal group. It had been reported in May last year that Dennis was seriously ill. Journalist Ken Bedford posted on Facebook at the time, prayers are needed for singer Dennis Edwards of the Temptations. He was admitted to a St. Louis hospital after returning from a concert date in Canada last week. He is seriously ill, and I won't say any more until his wife releases the details. He posted an update today announcing that Dennis sadly died. Wow. Well, that's well. Like I said, that's sad news, and you know, it happened the day before his birthday. Like, I think some of the saddest deaths can be the ones before your birthday, the ones that's on your birthday, or the one that's the day after. It's like either we're about to celebrate life, you are just now celebrating another year, or you're just now getting over the day you celebrated a new year added onto your life. So it's like it's sad either way of that, or dying on. Uh, you know, maybe on another loved one's birthday or dying on the day a loved one is being born. Like, it's really sad all the way around. But I do remember, of course, who doesn't remember the song Papa Was a Rolling Stone? That probably has one of the longest musical um, intros ever. I can't remember how long it is, but it's pretty lengthy. All right. There you have it. David Ruffin died at 74, one day before his birthday. And that's it. That's it for us here on Asian Talk. I'll see you next week. That's it. I'll see you next week. Well, there you have it. Our four celebrities we lost this week. Mike, thanks for listening as usual. Glad that you tuned in to the program. Uh, Looks like the Eagles are still leading, I think. My goodness. Anyway... Uh-oh. The views, opinions of Nature Talk and the of views of TalkShoe, Generating Productions, and its sponsors. This is your Sunday evening forum, Nation Talk. It's a live public affairs and news program that deals with issues concerning you from the University of Santa Georgia. It's aired Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Be sure to join us next Sunday night for another Nation Talk here on Talk to you and Jam Radio. From all of us here, thanks for listening and good night. Why take four-hour cough medicine? Just one Mucinex lasts 12 hours. Let's end this. Thank <laughs> you.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.